Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, as Steve said, we are so glad to have you here with us tonight. And man, it's just, it's good to be together. It's good to be out of the house and uh, to be able to be here because, wow, what a great, interesting last couple of days. I've got this show, I don't know if you've ever seen it before, that I like to watch once in a while. It's on uh, uh, the National Geographic channel. It's called uh, Life Below Zero. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. It like follows different individuals and families that live out in Alaska above the Arctic Circle and all that and are trying to survive. And I used to be really intrigued by that show. I hate that show now. I want nothing <laughs> to do with that show. I'm more of a, let's call it House Hunters Aruba style or something like that. That's, that's my new show. That's what I'm looking for. But yeah, these last couple of days certainly were interesting and you know, just trying to stay warm yesterday. I got shivering everywhere in our house. But I did find this. This is kind of interesting. If you're ever looking for the warmest place in your home, it's actually in the corner because it's always 90 degrees there in the corner. You get it at the corner of your bedroom? Yeah, okay. That's it. That's the worst one. So, uh, but we thought we'd get that out of the way. But uh, not only is it Christmas time, but we know we're entering into the last week of the year, which means all sorts of different things. Maybe one of those things that you pay attention to, you might see on the news, see on TV, or all of the end of the year lists. You know, things like the top news stories of 2022, or if you're a sports fan, you know, Sports Center will run those, you know, top plays of the past year, BuzzFeed posted an article a few weeks back about some of the top words of the year. Have you seen these lists before where dictionaries will choose what they believe to be the, the word of the year, a word that they believe best describes the human condition over the past 12 months? There are a number of them. There's uh, Homer, all right, and we can thank Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees for his uh, home run feat this past year. And so one, one dictionary chose the word Homer. Uh, another dictionary chose this, goblin mode. I've never heard it before, to be honest, but goblin mode just means this, a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, sloppy, or greedy in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. How many of you went a little goblin mode yesterday, right? You just shut down, you know, and just, you know, going to do whatever you feel like. That's goblin mode. But there's another word that uh, a dictionary company chose that I thought was quite interesting and certainly very appropriate for tonight, and it's this word, permacrisis. And the word permacrisis means an extended period of instability and insecurity. And personally, when I read that word and its definition, I think it's a pretty good choice, especially when you consider all of the things that we've experienced, not only in the past year, but certainly over the past couple of years. And uh, of course, things like a worldwide pandemic comes to mind, uh, just all of the social instability that we see in its different shapes and forms. There's the, the racial tensions and, and questions. There are uh, increasing mental health needs and addiction issues uh, in our country. There's the political division, which we see over and over again. There's the ongoing war in places like the Ukraine. There's supply chain issues and inflation, and, and if that's not bad enough, the cults are in crisis. Too, right? We, we all know that. But uh, I'd say that sadly, permacrisis feels like a pretty fair description of what we face most days. And, and that reality gives way to a variety of negative emotions, things like worry and anxiety, anger and frustration, loneliness, helplessness, you name it. These are some heavy, con or excuse me, some heavy uh, emotions with 
you know, if not dealt with appropriately, some potentially damaging, devastating consequences. But, but if we had to summarize all of the challenges uh, into one single word, I, I think the word that best fits in my mind is this one, the word despair. And despair means the complete loss or absence of hope. And I wonder how many of you might say that you feel some of this in your life right now maybe even this afternoon, that as you consider the circumstances, as you think about some of the things that you're going through, like despair might hit the mark, like if life's not going the way that you want, or uh, maybe, maybe you had all of these plans for the weekend and with family and with travels, but all of that has changed because of the weather. I mean, maybe when you think about the past year, I mean, it's been a really, really hard year for a number of different reasons, or you just feel beat up, lost, and and certainly desperate that 2023 is going to feel a little bit better. If you've felt any of that at all, I'm sure you're not alone, that all of us in some way, shape, or form could say that we've experienced some of that. But we've been in a series, a teaching series here at Genesis that we're wrapping up today, a series called Travel Light. Uh, Really for the past month, we've been talking about how things like worry and loneliness and and bitterness uh, and despair can can burden us, and they don't don't have to. Like, God doesn't want us to, to... to these types of things to weigh us down. He doesn't want these things to have too much influence in our lives. And so his solution for everyone is his desire to, that we would put our faith and our trust in him, that, that as you trust him, that you and I would realize that there is so much more to enjoy, that there's a, a different way of going through life in this world when we're going through life with him. And so today I want to talk to you about despair and, and what it means to leave despair behind. And since despair is defined as the loss or absence of hope, we're going to turn our attention to the hope that God promised, the hope that we been singing about this evening so far that is revealed to us through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, at Christmas. And so if you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to take it and turn to Matthew chapter 1. And Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It's about halfway, a little more through your Bible. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, we've got one for you tonight. In fact, we keep a a table of Bibles at the very back of the room. And so if you've ever wanted one for your own, please feel free to grab that on the way out. If we run out, find somebody that looks like they know what they're doing because we've got plenty more of those. But I want to look at Matthew chapter 1 with you. We're going to jump around to a few other places, but this is a good starting point because to fully appreciate the hope that is found in Christmas, we're going to begin there, but we're going to take a quick peek into the life tonight of a man named Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Now, normally we talk about Jesus at Christmas, right? And I promise you that we will, but we're going to talk about Abraham and Sarah first. Now, what can their life teach us or their lives teach us about hope? Well, like many of us, you could say they endured a permacrisis of their own. They, they knew the weight and the pain and burden of despair. Now, what in the world does their story have to do with Christmas? Everything. It has everything to do with Christmas because not only is Abraham mentioned in the Old Testament, but as I said, he's mentioned on the first page of the New Testament too. Check it out, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. We read this. Matthew records, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham. See, Abraham isn't just mentioned in the Bible. His story of hope and despair is directly connected to Jesus and ultimately the Christmas story. Now, a quick history of Abraham's life, if his story is new to you, we first meet him in Genesis chapter 12. He was 75 years old when God asked him to relocate everything he had ever known to a new land, but that's not all. God also promised Abraham that he was going to give him a big family, uh, that he was going to make a great nation 
out of his family and that ultimately the world would be blessed through him. Now that sounds like a pretty amazing gift to me because new land, real estate, man, that's a great Christmas gift if you would, right? Or a big family, who wouldn't want that? Uh, Lots of influence. Again, this sounds like a pretty incredible promise. We've all seen those commercials of the husband and wife who give each other Cadillacs, you know, for Christmas because that's realistic, all right? This is a big gift, all right? These are very big gifts and promises to Abraham, but one big problem that Abraham has going for him, and that is that Genesis 12 also tells us that his wife, Sarah, was old like him and not able to have children. And some of you know that kind of pain, Um, the pain or challenge of, of not being able to have children. Like Abraham and Sarah knew that kind of despair And they had been enduring it for a really, really long time. And so how in the world is Abraham's family supposed to become a great nation when you're really old and you and your wife can't have children? Fast forward another 10 years. Abraham is now 85 years old, which means Sarah is 10 years older too. And for the most part, these past 10 years, they've done everything they can to be faithful, to be obedient to God, following God every step of the way, but still no children. Talk about hard. Like what a a dark, difficult time of life. I would struggle. Like, I, w- I would struggle, struggle keeping up the faith every day all of those years. Apparently, Abraham did because in a moment of desperation, he cried out to God. See it for yourself, Genesis chapter 15, verses 2 and 3, we read, but, but Abraham said, he cried out, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? Basically, there, there's nothing you could give me all right, that would even come close to being able to have a child. In this particular society, like having a son, having an heir was everything. And so Abram, he cried out to God, said, you have, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Again, Abraham was like, God, I don't want to be pushy, but, but it's been 10 years. We're only getting older Where is this family that you promised? Again, sounds like despair to me, and who could blame him? Because again, from his perspective, a family was beyond impossible at this point. But listen to how God responds to Abraham in the midst of his despair. Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to Abraham, your servant will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. God took Abraham outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. There is something really, really important here that I want to make sure we don't miss. And that is that God wasn't shaken by Abraham's despair. He wasn't shaken by Abraham's problem. He's not panicking because of the circumstances. He's not going back on his original promise either. In fact, without even flinching, he gives Abraham another promise not only confirming to him that he would give him a son, but that his family would eventually become more numerous than the stars in the sky. Can I offer you some words of hope 
and some encouragement today. And again, I don't have any idea what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what your circumstances are or what your struggles may be, what it is that you're weighing that's weighing you down. Maybe, maybe it's the challenges of something like infertility. Uh, may, maybe you struggled through one semester of school. You have no idea how you're going to get through another one. Uh, maybe you're alone this Christmas, just like last Christmas. If you're a, a single parent, you know the weight and the responsibilities of trying to care for children on your own. Maybe your marriage is really struggling. If I could just say this to you, don't lose hope. God's not panicking. He's still paying attention. He's not shaken by your circumstances and he loves you and he knows your pain and he knows what it is that you're going through. He knows the hurt and most importantly, he wants you to know and maybe part of the reason why you're here tonight is to realize once again that he sent his son Jesus for you so that you will not have to go through this life alone. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid for the Lord your God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that was basically the message God had for Abraham. Abraham, don't worry. My promises are still true. You may think you're alone, but you're not. You keep trusting me. You don't have to carry these burdens alone. And how did Abraham respond to him? Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 says, Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Take note, things aren't going as planned. Abraham's wife is still not pregnant. But how does Abraham respond? Abraham trusted God. You got to put your hope somewhere. Your hope must be in something. There is nothing like putting your hope and your faith and your trust in God. Abraham was determined to trust God in the middle of his circumstances, and he found great hope and peace and comfort in his relationship with God. I like what John Piper says about faith, what it means to live out this kind of faith, to trust the Lord, you know, even through the difficulties of life. He says this, he says, biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. And it not only expects it to happen, it is confident confident that it will happen. This is the kind of faith, this is kind of the kind of hope that Abraham had in the Lord. My wife and I are runners. We are crazy like that, and crazy enough that we will continue running outside even in the winter, and to take it one step further, we'll run in the mornings in the dark, you know, when it's just beating up against your face. Now, there's a limit. We didn't go outside yesterday, right? We went goblin mode yesterday, all right? No, no running outside, but if it's not too brutal, we go out in the mornings, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's hard. It's hard to get out of a really warm bed and to put on all that clothing, to go out into that cold air and to take those first steps, but I'll tell you what, the stars on a clear morning are absolutely stunning, Imagine what it must have been like for Abraham to look up in the sky that night, to see all those stars, and to hear the Lord's promise. And not just in that sweet moment with God, but night after night in the days to come. Like what an awesome and regular reminder of God's promise. What if the stars could be something like that for you? 
you know, like how they did for Abraham. Like the next time you look up into the night sky on a clear night or a clear morning and see those stars that you will remember that no matter what you're going through, God is still in control, that you can trust his promises, that he is paying attention and that he is not shaken. Now, what's any of this have to do with Christmas? Well, let's go back to Matthew chapter 1 again as we read. This is the genealogy, Matthew says, of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What do you see? Well, notice that Matthew begins his gospel account of the life of Jesus with a genealogy, and you can't have a genealogy without a family line to trace, and Abraham is included in it. And so basically, Abraham gets included in here because, well, just as God had promised, he and Sarah, well, they eventually had a baby boy, a son named Isaac, about 2,000 years before Jesus was born, and not only Isaac, but other children who all had children, who all had children, and eventually King David came in the family line, and then a bunch of other people, but eventually around the date that our calendar system divides B.C. from A.D., Jesus was born, and there's something so important and yet so easy to miss. It's in realizing that God not only fulfilled his promise to Abraham and Sarah, leading them through and out of their despair, but will you take note that he brought Jesus through it. That even in their pain and their desperation, that he was working something out in some spectacular sort of way that he was going to use all of it to bring Jesus through it. And what a powerful reminder with the story of Abraham and Sarah, a whole bunch of people in between, and Jesus too, that life isn't always some perfect, tidy, neatly wrapped, hallmark movie sort of a finish. It's messy, right? There's pain, there's struggles and despair, and yet great hope. And my prayer for you is that you might find encouragement in that because my life's not perfect. Certainly your life's not perfect either. And you might be feeling really overwhelmed by despair today, but don't give up hope. Jesus is here. Christmas reminds us that he has come, that God sent his son, and he might be ready to reveal himself into your life and into your circumstances this afternoon. And so quickly before we close, how do we take hold of the hope much like Abraham did? A couple of things. The first that I see in Abraham is just this, walk faithfully with God regardless of your life circumstances. Again, don't give up on God. He, he's not finished with you yet. God eventually gave Abraham and Sarah a son, and while I can't promise that God's going to do for you precisely what you want for him to do, I can promise that he will do for you what you and I, what we need, because he cares about you. And you and I, you don't have to go through this pain, this life. You don't have to carry these burdens alone. You and I, we can trust him. You can trust him with whatever you're facing this afternoon. And so keep walking with him. Uh, take time each day to sit at his feet, to, to make yourself available to him, to go looking for God, to reach out and to pray for him. And if you've wandered away from God or from your faith, like let today be the day you decide, I'm coming back to God. I don't want to go through this without God. And then this, like Abraham, to trust God to do what only God can do. Abraham and Sarah kept trusting God, and it wasn't easy. Again, they've got a really messy story. If you read their story for yourself, you'll find a lot of encouragement potentially about your own story, about some of the decisions and mess-ups of theirs. But they trusted the Lord, and he kept his promise. 
And just as they did, you can trust God too. And so keep praying. Keep asking the Lord. Go to the Lord with your prayers and with your concerns, just like Abraham did. Tell him what you need and be open to how he might want to respond and provide in your life. Because Abraham and Sarah trusted God for a baby. And God eventually delivered on that promise. But then fast forward 2,000 years from their story. Luke's account, like Matthew of the Christmas story, talks about another couple. And while different circumstances, it's another miraculous birth. Check this out. Luke chapter 1, verse 30, we read, But the angel said to her, to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Two fascinating miracles that we've reached or, or talked about tonight. First, a 100-year-old couple. That's a miracle. Abraham and Sarah, God fulfilled his promise and eventually gave them a son. The second miracle, a young virgin in Mary, and God fulfilled his promise to bring a son through her. Two miracles, two very different sons though. A son to Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, and through him God would create a great nation. And through Mary, well, Matthew 1, 1 tells the story. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. See, Jesus wasn't just any son. We believe that he is the Messiah And the word Messiah just simply means anointed one. And an anointed one is someone with a special God-ordained purpose. And as Christians, and here at Genesis, we believe that that means that Jesus is our ultimate source of hope. That he is the Son of God, born on what we call Christmas 2,000 years ago. And we know and believe that Jesus Christ grew to become a man, that he lived a sinless life, that he's the perfect example of what it means to trust and to live for God through the ups and downs of this world. And his greatest contribution of all, he gave his life on the cross. You see, Jesus willingly took on the weight and the baggage of my sin and your sin, and he gave his life and he died for our sin, and then God raised him from the dead so that we could experience his forgiveness and find life and hope in him. And so Jesus means that you don't have to be weighed down by your sins, by your despair. In fact, your sins don't have to determine your future. Only Jesus gets to determine your future. And Jesus died to forgive you. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved that you can be saved. Have you ever put your faith, your trust, and your hope in Jesus? It's the most important decision you will ever answer in your life. And if you've never done that, today could be your day. This can be your moment. Will you bow your heads with me? Again, God's word says, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you don't have a moment like that in your life where you have prayed and invited Christ to be your Lord and Savior, 
Again, there is no more important decision that you can make in this world than to trust Jesus. That's not a decision you get to make after you die. It's a a choice you make this side of death, and it changes everything because Jesus is our ultimate source of hope. And yes, he does desire to give us eternity in heaven with him one day, but I want you to know tonight that he also wants to be the Lord of your life today. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your guide through your circumstances. You don't have to go through these things alone. There is nothing like trusting Jesus as your friend and your Savior. And if you've never done that before, I'd invite you to do that tonight wherever you're seated. In your own words, just pray something like, Jesus, I need you in my life. I want your hope. Be my Savior. Again, there is no more important decision that you can ever make than to trust the Lord to put your faith in him. Invite him right now wherever you are. Invite him into your despair. Invite him into your questions. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. Some of you tonight, you've put your faith and trust in him. You're going through some really, really difficult times. You can still trust him. Tell him what you need. Some of you are here today and you know you've wandered, you've been struggling. Life has beat you down and caused you to lose faith. He's not going to hold that against you. He loves you. He loves us deeply and sincerely. Tell him what you need. Invite him into your pain. Invite him into your questions. He cares for you word says, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Father in heaven, we thank you. Christmas reminds us that you sent your son, a savior, the Messiah for each of us. I pray that we would know his presence and his power right now in our lives and throughout this room. You know every life, you know every story, you know every circumstance. Have your way right now in this place. Give faith right now to those who need it. For those that are trusting you, that are praying to you, that have never invited you into their lives. But there are also others here, Lord. They just need that reminder. Would you encourage our hearts tonight? Speak to our minds, Lord. Our faith and our hope is in you. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for walking through the valleys, the ups and downs of life with us. You are our hope. Our faith is in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.